What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris alongside the voice of the Houston Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, welcome back from the weekend. How are you doing? Uh, doing great, Johnny. Happy Mother's Day belatedly to all the moms out there. We uh, had a great weekend ourselves. My mom hasn't been with me for a while, but, you know, she's always here in spirit. How about beginning the show on that note, folks? <laughs> All right. Well, happy hi, everybody. I'm depressed. No, I'm not. I'm fine. Everything's no, you, good. You're not. You, uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. You know, I a lot of times I will go to Twitter and I'll put out a, you know, a, a Mother's Day tweet about my, my wife or my mom or uh, my mother-in-law who have been great. And then I forgot that my wife just puts the absolute kibosh on any pictures. She will not let me put any pictures of her no on, posting. on the internet. No, nothing. I've nothing. dialed down from posting so like, everything <laughs> in my life on Facebook. You yeah. know, I used to do that a lot, and there's nothing wrong with it. I just felt like, you know what? Uh, it's kind of a rerun every year, so I'll wait every few years to post photos. Uh, although I do use my boys as human shields sometimes <laughs> when the they team's, don't mind not, it. When the don't team's mind not doing as well as I want. Uh, you boys protect me. Kidding. Kidding. It's the world we live in for what's the world they've lived in. If you think about it from that perspective. Yeah. Since they've been born, that's the world they've lived in. Oh, they know all, all of the way around. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because Vanderkid, the first one, he's 17 years old yeah. now. He evaluates all the social media content I post and the team mm -hmm. posts. I get the full review constantly. You know, focus group of one. Yep. And it helps. What can I say? Yeah, no doubt. I got a text the other night from... Uh, my daughter, who's out in L.A., uh, actress, doing the L.A. acting thing and trying to, to make her way in, in the entertainment world out there. And I got this long text about how to do YouTube. <laughs> I was like, she would know. I mean, yeah. she would know. So I'm definitely one to take the advice, no doubt. Now, we got to subscribe to your personal well, YouTube I, channel. Thank you very much. Stuff. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm hopefully going to keep that, keep that growing and going. Uh, Wednesday, 9 a.m., that's usually when I will. I say usually. Uh, I'm a one-man army, so hopefully I can get everything and be, stay on time like I expected my students to be in back in the day. Uh, speaking of students, David Fletcher, who is a student at a tremendous university in Austin, will join us in the next segment to talk about everything that's going on with football and football. Mm. Soccer and football for yes. some of you, but football and football. Uh, he's got a great, huge, massive announcement about football coming to Energy Stadium in July. And if you are a uh, La Liga fan or you are a Premier League fan, you will love this news. Or you just love international soccer, you're going to love this news. So you definitely want to stick around for that. And by the way, he's got a football, American football, college football announcement. It's been out there. Um, I, I believe he said he put it out, one for sure. The other one was like, really? So some interesting stuff about 2023 and 2024 coming up. But oh, that's a tease. Yeah. Speaking of posting, yeah. The soon-to-be-retired Mark Berman posted this uh, around lunchtime today. And it's going to lead me to what I wanted to ask you about. From the Astros, Houston Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans will throw out a ceremonial first pitch tonight. Houston Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans will throw out a ceremonial first pitch tonight. A... Throwing out the first pitch, is that a bucket list item for you? I did it at a Hurricanes baseball game. So at an Astros game, yeah, I'd love to. It's not that high on the bucket list, as cool as it is. Okay. You know, if I have a choice, yeah. you know, you have three wishes before you die. Oh, wait a minute. I picked the first pitch, and I could have done Kilimanjaro like Matt Burke or something like that. 
you know, I think it's going to be down on the depth chart okay. at a major league game. But I did it at a college game, and there was fans in the stands, and that was kind of cool. Did you feel pressure? Heck, yes, there's pressure. <laughs> and it's funny because somebody re-ran the George Bush Jr. 9-11 oh, yeah. Yeah, back yeah, yeah, at yeah. Yankee Stadium for the first time when the, he threw out the first pitch. Strike awesome. right through the heart. It I mean, was awesome. And Imagine. he, Johnny, I don't know this, but he must have warmed up underneath. The yeah, yeah, he did. He did it with Jeter, actually. Yeah, he must have. Because Jeter was talking trash to him. Oh, wow. You've, <laughs> you've got to loosen the, the yeah. wing. Yeah. Otherwise, that thing's going in the dirt or it's sailing over somebody's head. Yeah. Because it's longer than you think. First of all, I've never done it, right? I'm not right. a baseball player. And look, I've never even played baseball. I don't, right. I've never played Little League. I played softball, yeah. right? So there you are. On the mound, it's farther away than you think. You better get it right. Now, I did get it over. It was fine. Everything was cool. But I had a little warm-up in the back, like by the batting cages, out of sight. That was one of the – I'm trying to – where you place it because it's both a national moment, it's a sports moment, but I, I've heard Derek – Dick Jeter told a story about, about W going out and – throwing that pitch he said he had been dead but down underneath um down in the the bowels and he actually grabbed jeter and they were playing catch and jeter was like look mr president you can't bounce this thing up there like yeah there are thousands of people millions watching at home like you can't bounce this thing up there you've yeah. gotta like you need this and not only does he go out there he's got a bulletproof vest on yeah. Which I don't know if everybody knew. So now you got to throw with that thing on. Underneath the Yankee jacket. Underneath the Yankee jacket. Or no. no it was, was it a, FDNY? Yeah. I think it was FDNY. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. It wasn't Yankee's jacket. But it, it, but he walks out. Can you imagine? It's the state of our world at that time. And the state of the United States. And all eyes are on him. And he just raises his thumb, say, you know, thumbs up. And then, I mean, right? It's the best first pitch you've ever seen. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's incredible. Sometimes I watch it just to get charged up. So that got me thinking about, I don't know whether that is, and that's why I asked you, if that was a bucket list item for you. Because that's it for me. That is a bucket list item for me, is throwing out the first pitch at a ballgame. What's the football equivalent of well, that? I'm glad you asked, because that's why I was going to ask you. Okay. What is your football bucket list item? All right. First of all, the football equivalent to me. Of doing that. Now, the Rockets have their thing with the first shot, right? right? Which shot, is really yeah. cool. When right. D'Amico made the free throw, by the way, uh, he's already done that. Yes. So I have, I have no doubt that he's going to do a good job with the first pitch tonight. So it, the free throw was big. Lovey made his on the Pat McAfee show, which right. was cool, too. That right. was a different kind of pressure, but he made yeah, it. Our so coaches can shoot. So credit to Lovey for that. I know one coach that couldn't shoot, but that's a different story. All right. <laughs> Man, Bill couldn't shoot. He didn't play, but he's not a basketball player. Not a basketball player. Not a he'd, basketball he'd player. He'd admit that. He'd yeah, admit he that, Johnny. I know. Uh, Breaking his balls. I think the football equivalent is, is being the, as we called it, the home field advantage captain, leading the team out of the tunnel. Because I look yeah. back at 2011, the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals, first playoff game in team history, and Bum Phillips walks out of the oh. tunnel. And you want to talk about greatest non playing surface even though that happened on the playing yeah, surface yeah. but not involved with a game moments right, right. in the history of the franchise that's one of them that's one of them bum phillips walking out of the tunnel that day yeah there was not a hair that was not standing on somebody's neck in the entire building right everybody had chills thrills 
They were pumped up. It was a quadruple well, espresso for everybody. Well, we announced that beforehand, though, right? We announced it, but you know how those announcements no, I, 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 are. I like, yeah, well, okay, bomb. Right. But then, bomb Phillips, and he walks out with the hat on, and it was just, we are not losing this game today. There's, you know, whatever. Bet your entire life savings <laughs> on the Texans as soon as you saw Bum walk out because the crowd yeah. was not going to let the team lose that day. And then JJ has the pick six. Yeah. And away you go. All right. So take it beyond that. Your football bucket list items. Yeah. What are they? All right. As far as me doing them? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Look, I want to go to a Super Bowl. I was listening to the podcast. You know, I listened to the rewatchables, right? Yeah. On yeah. The Ringer. And they did the natural. And I was going to be very disappointed, but I turned out not to be because he brought up his favorite scene was actually when Redford shows up before the final game and says, I'm playing. Oh, yeah, Remember, yeah. he was injured. Right. right. There's no spoiler here. It's an old movie. Forget it. Go see it. It's awesome. It's 39 years old. But Pop and whatever, yeah, yeah. Wilfred Brimley and his assistant are, and Red or whoever the guy's Red. name is. Red. Yeah. They're in the back. They're shaving. They're getting ready for the game. And Redford walks in. But mm -hmm. before he walks in, Wilfred Brimley, the manager, says, always wanted to win the pennant. Didn't care if I won the series. I would have been happy just getting there or something like that. I want to win the AFC Championship game. You know this about me, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about this. This, to me, is the bucket list. Look, I, de I desperately want to win the Super Bowl. But you can't win the Super Bowl unless you get there. And winning the AFC Championship game is something that's never happened in the history of this city in professional football. I want to be very clear on this. 1979 was the last time a team got there. Mm -hmm. If you get to the Super Bowl, that is going where no man has gone before in this city. Now, it's not enough. You want to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But to get there would be a level of euphoria in this town. And I know we live in a town where the Rockets have two rings and the Astros have two rings and... They've gotten there four times in the last, what is it, five, six years, mm -hmm. and they got there in 05, and I get it. But to get to the Super Bowl, Johnny, would be so colossal. So to be in the booth and be able to call that, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it. Because I think that I would be more emo I'll handle it. I think I'd be more emotional for that call than I would be for actually winning the Super Bowl. I would, don't get me wrong, I'd be totally emotional winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. But to get there. Now you're on that stage. You got right. you got to that level, and now you can win that game. But you can't. We know how hard it is. 24 to nothing. Do I have to remind anybody that was not an AFC championship game? That was just to get to the AFC championship game. To be in it and win it and finally get that off your back, just that part of it would be gigantic. Thoughts? You know, the one thing I think about the most, I, 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 I've envisioned – what it's like immediately after you win the Super Bowl. Like, what that feeling is like when it hits zeros. Now, the last few Super Bowls, this last one, the last one, the Rams-Bengals, there have been a lot of really good Super Bowls that yeah. have come down to the last couple of minutes. And I know how it is for us, for the three of us, if we get to a close game in the fourth quarter. I mean, last year, I remember going into the fourth quarter against Dallas and thinking, oh, man. This could happen. And I mean, we we were charged up. I mean, we had a two-win football team at that time, yeah. maybe a one-win football team at that time. And like, I mean, the feeling that I had was, I mean, I was I was oh, charged Tremont up. Picks that ball off. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that was so good. I'm that, like, we're gonna 
win this thing. I mean, it's yeah. this feeling of and to be yo, that and to be that close. Now, all the way to the Super Bowl, and now you're in that game, and you're like, I can imagine we go through the game, and you know, you then obviously you had that 30 minute halftime. And so if it's a close game going in a half and you realize, I mean, there's 30 minutes left of this thing. Mm-hmm. You got the first Super Bowl in, in you know, team history and city history. I mean, that, that feeling. But the one thing that I think the most about is what the parade would be like and where it would be. <laughs> and yeah. if you and I, you know, had to go up there and, you know, introduce players or, you know, stand in front of the city of Houston, basically celebrating the first championship in in, in Houston history, football championship in Houston history, not not to mention the AFL championship, not to leave the Oilers out of that. But they did win one, maybe two, back in 66. Congratulations. That's right. the AFL. But we're talking we about the talking. Super Bowl yes. here. We're yes. talking about the biggest athletic contest, at least domestically. And World Cup's pretty darn big in soccer, but it's one of the two or three in the world. What that feeling is like. And watching the players stand up there and they get a chance to celebrate and just realize you've been through that whole journey with them on this and I and so I think about that but I also think about the moment right after the game is over and you've won like what's the reaction like what's the reaction I mean if it's a blowout if you win (laughs) if you win on like a last second field goal like you vinitary that thing you know Kaimi hits one from 48 yards through and you win by one you're down two he hits you win by one like what's what's that feeling like and that's kind of my that's kind of my my bucket list is is that that you you win it it's close it comes down to the final minute and there's this euphoric moment when you know you're going to win the super bowl whether it's you got to go out and do the you know victory formation or what but you just have this moment where you know not where it's built not where you're up 31 in the third quarter and it's kind of building towards it no where it is you're chewing your fingernails off wire and you win it at the wire that would be incredible. It would all be incredible. What are we saying? Yeah. I mean, I'll take the blowout, too, by the way. Yeah. I, I would Look, I, beggars can't be choosers. I get it. But I often think about what that has been like when the Rams when the Rams beat the Bengals and the Rams win their first Super Bowl out in L.A. You know, the last time they did it was in St. Louis. And Cooper Cup catches that ball. And, yeah, they got to go out and play defense, and, and Aaron Donald gets a sack afterwards. But Coop, Cooper Cup makes that catch. Then it's fourth down, and Aaron Donald gets that sack. And there's still, I think, probably like 25 seconds left, and you know it's just victory formation. Like, seeing your team go to the victory formation in the Super Bowl, I think that's maybe my new bucket list. Like, seeing them go to the victory yeah. formation at the Super Bowl, that might be the number one item on my bucket See, list. See, doing what I do, I'm thinking about the call. Right, because right. Because – in those situations, in any game, never mind Super Bowl or regular season, whatever, when Donald gets the sack, it was fourth down, right? Fourth down, yep. And I, I've seen the end of that game a couple of times, and, man, the Bengals, Rams are sweating that one out. Yep. Bengals are going to drive. Right. In fact, I'm still surprised he wasn't able to do something yep. on that fourth down, but Donald was so dominant. He was so good. It's and so good. once he makes that sack, that's game over right there. You yep. know it's over. So, is that the call? As a play-by-play guy, I think of these things. Is that the call right. or is takes a knee and that's it, the call? I think they're both the call and they're different calls, obviously, because the Donald play is in the action. You don't know if it's going right. to happen. Right. You take you a knee. You just call on the action. You take yeah. a knee, you know it's going to happen, right? 
when they snap the ball, Burrow has it on fourth down. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. And when he doesn't make it, that's it. Game over, checkmate, whatever. So let me ask you something. Yeah. When, and it's been for division wins, which hopefully it'll be for an AFC championship game. It'll be for a Super Bowl down the road. Do you, do you get in your mind what you want to say? Do you think about that? Or do you not let yourself go there for a particular moment like that? As you're preparing for the game, do you do you allow yourself to go there like when they're going to take a knee? Like, okay, this is what I'd like to be able to say. Do you I think, think about that? In certain words, you, you have something you want to say, but you don't memorize right, it right, right. or the words you want to say. You don't want it, it to sound like stiff. You know, it's their second straight, for instance, or right, whatever. Right. You might work that in, or maybe not, because you want this one to live. So you have to decide those things. Uh, it, I think every play-by-play person is going to be different in the way they approach those things. Look, I said um, when they beat the Colts in 15 for the first time ever up there, that was not for the division, but you knew when they won that one, yeah. they had a pretty good chance of winning it, but you couldn't say that, right? Right. But it was I had the white whale thing ready to go yeah. because I didn't know how I was going to say it, but I knew that this is the white they they captured him. Yeah. They captured Moby finally. Dick here. Yep. They finally got it. Thirteen tries, no, fourteenth. Let's go. Yeah, and they got it. So I wanted to say something about that. We talked about that that one's for you and all those things. I mean, I love yeah. talking about it because it's fun stuff for me, and I don't know if people enjoy it, but yeah, you think about those things. I've heard play by play announcers with the final call on certain things where it's so scripted, it's too scripted, and I don't like that. Well, I had I heard, I think it was actually on the SEC Network's documentary that Mike Keith was a part of, Kenny Chesney was a part of, and it, it was more than a, I think it's called More Than a Voice. Yeah. Tremendous documentary. And so I love Eli Gold. I just, I his voice is so synonymous to Alabama football, and he's making his way back from cancer, and, so he's gonna hopefully he's gonna be back in the booth in twenty three, but when they won it, and I love the depth, but in twenty seventeen, when they beat Georgia, second and twenty six is famous. You say second and twenty six, a Georgia fan, they'll punch in the face because they you like, hey, what's second and twenty six? Like, oh, so if that was Tua Tungavailoa had taken a sack on first down overtime, Alabama was down by three because Georgia kicked a field goal. Tua took a sack at second and 26, and the secondary lets Devontae Smith run behind. He hits the bomb. It's a touchdown. When Devontae Smith catches the ball, he's like, Tua throws it deep to Devontae Smith. He doesn't, if I remember correctly, he doesn't say touchdown. He's just, Devontae Smith. And then he goes into this long paragraph about the Alabama Crimson Tide have won their fifth national championship in the last how many ever years? This is Nick Saban. And he went into this, like, whole spiel of just, like checking yeah, a box on all that. these different things. I don't know if you need and, that. Yeah, exactly. I felt like Eli could have gotten it, but he just went right to it. And it, it struck me as either A, why did he do that? And then B, I thought, you know, that's kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of a cool moment in some sense to just go right straight to this is what that one play just meant, that they mm-hmm. could have all these things. So it was an interesting approach. But I wasn't it more like Bama wins. Bama the champion. Yeah, right? I mean, that's After what I, that. Yeah. Instead of saying. Alabama wins the national championship. I mean, say it with me for you. Something. You'd like to always say touchdown. You know what I didn't say touchdown? True true play-by-play confessions now <laughs> on Texans All Access. <laughs> yeah. When Aikens caught the pass from Mills against the Colts, I don't think I ever say touchdown. 
I'm glad you didn't say what I said. <laughs> Off the air. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't. Rob there Burgundy. it goes. There goes the pick. It was such a surprising it all moment. Worked out. It, it did. All, but I said it was caught. I yeah. said caught. And, you know, I, I knew that meant what it meant. Yeah. And I conveyed that. I don't know if I said the word. To, it doesn't always happen. It's to one of the more difficult it catches. Clearly that, caught the ball in the end zone by yeah. what I said. Anyway, go on. I don't know how he caught it because if you just think about Think about a punt concentration. How many times does a receiver blow a catch? I know when it's like, oh, his the, the defender's hand was shading him, and he lost track of the right. ball. Aikens catches that going through the hands of of, of Thomas. Thomas. How he like? I, I still to this day, a I don't. I, I can totally understand how Thomas misjudged it. I have no idea how Aikens caught it. I still don't know how he caught it because he. Like Thomas is coming into his view, then jumping up. So it's almost as if the ball is coming out of Thomas's hands, mm -hmm. not out of the air. And so I don't, I still, I mean, I asked Jordan about it afterwards. And he was like, I just happened to react. And if I, I want to say that he kind of, not basket caught it, but he kind of, he didn't catch it up high. He kind of caught it around his waist and just, just kind of caught it, it with every part of his body. He's a good receiver. It yeah, came very to much him. So. He made the grab. Then he caught the two-point conversion. No comments, please. Yeah, no comments. We you don't need the, that. You know what the greatest homer call of all time is, right? Of yours? No, of anybody on the planet Earth. The greatest home announcer call in the history of sports is Jack Buck. Go crazy, folks. Oh, Ozzy Smith? Yes. I mean, Go it, crazy, folks. Go crazy. That is... I get. I don't care about the Cardinals. Yeah. One little speck, I get chills thinking of that call because that is a moment of jubilation for the home fans, yeah. right? And it's so descriptive. You know what happened? Yeah. Ozzy doesn't hit too many out. No, right? he had not. He had not hit. That's what I thought made the call that much better was the fact that he had not hit a left-handed home run in Bush Stadium at least that season, maybe ever, because he was a switch hitter. Right. So he hit a home run and he had never he never done it. So I I, I just got to feel like that was Jack, Jack Buck going. This is crazy. This is crazy. Yep. And it was just that's that's a that's a, a really beautiful. Good, call. It's such a great call. It's and such it, a great call. So well done. He's my favorite ever, maybe. Yeah. On the radio. So I loved him doing football too. I'm what you speaking of on the radio? What do you think of Charles Barkley's comments about not listening to games on the radio? I know exactly what you were thinking, but but when you saw that, I, I mean, don't approve of this message. I don't either. Yeah. I think it's dumb. No, and there are a lot of great play-by-play -play guys. I was listening to SiriusXM yesterday, Game Seven, Boston and Philly. Mm -hmm. I don't. I wish I knew the name of the play-by-play -play guy on yeah. NBA Radio who yeah. was doing it. He was great. Yeah. I thought he was terrific, giving me the game, the description. He was intense. The excitement I, was there. I love it, and I'm obviously I'm biased, but I love a game on the radio. Yeah. If I'm driving, I'll listen to a game. I on was the radio. out running errands. I wasn't going to stay home for the whole game. Yeah. I wanted to catch crunch time if there was one, but right. there wasn't. <laughs> Uh, but during the guts of the game, late second quarter, early third, I was running errands. I was perfectly entertained and informed yep. by this guy, and I, I'll find out. If you have, if you have a good play-by-play -play man telling you the story of the game, then away you go. Like, I, I think Kevin Harlan on TV is better than he is on radio. Like, he almost feeds me too much stuff when I'm listening to him That's on the radio. That's the way I feel, and I, I love him, and I think he's one of the best TV announcers ever, yeah. probably. I think his he's, I think he's so phenomenal on, on television. I think he's yeah. really good on radio, too, but I think there's there's almost it, there's almost too much that he gives you on radio. But if you're if 
if you're listening to a really good play-by-play man tell you the story of the game, it's a tremendous listen. It's like a tremendous Milo. listen. <laughs> Holy Toledo. I love Milo. <laughs> yeah, there were yeah, Milo and his Milo and his heyday was he was a he was a storyteller. And Gene. He was a storyteller How for about sure. I did that I did that show with them on my yeah, morning yeah, show yeah. on six ten, Gene Peterson and Milo Hamilton back in the day. Did I you get a word in edgewise? You know what, Johnny? I just asked them questions, but Gene was the one who was deferring a lot. Like he would ask Milo questions, yeah, yeah. and Gene is such a gentleman. They yeah. they both are. Uh, but I, I really, Gene really struck me as as the ultimate professional and gentleman. And he and Jim Foley did such an amazing job at the Rockets for so many years. Very, very good. Also, very good is David Fletcher. He's got an announcement to make about soccer and then about football. We'll handle that next right here on Texas All Access. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst, silent reporter for your Houston Texans. And I can't believe Mark and I forgot to even mention this. Happened over the weekend. The Texans signed two players this weekend. One, you kind of assumed they were going to. That was Juice Scruggs. That was made official today. The other, maybe not as expected, Shaquille Griffin. Corner, 27 years old. Coming to the Texas, former Pro Bowler, I think it was 20, 2020 maybe, where he was a Pro Bowler, spent the last couple of years with Jacksonville. And they were moving on. They went to Tyson Campbell, and uh, I can't even remember who they got on the other side. But they um, jettisoned Shaquille, and that opened him up to be picked up at any point. One year, uh, $4.5 million, I think. But it's one-year contract, but he is now added to the mix. Whale of an athlete. Um, he and his twin brother, uh, Shaquem were UCF stars back on the 2017 team. They were incredible. So Shaquille Griffin, now a member of your Houston Texans, according to sources. Now, Scruggs was announced by the team, uh, but Shaquille, um, not yet announced by the team, but plenty of sources out there have got that one for show. All right, joined by a good friend of mine, good friend of yours. He handles everything in this building, Lone Star Sports Entertainment. It is my man, David Fletcher. Fletcher, we got so much to talk about. We're going to talk about football and then football. <laughs> Deal. And, <laughs> and depending on and depending on where you live, there's football and then there's soccer. And, well, I don't know. I've gotten to calling soccer football, which is weird coming from me, I suppose. But you had a big announcement on Friday. I don't want to take it away from you. I want you to announce to the people what's going on here at NRG Stadium coming up pretty soon. It's pretty cool. A lot of great football, Johnny. That's all, that's the best way to put it. Uh, already previously announced the CONCACAF Gold Cup opener for Mexico and Honduras here June 25th. Um, we added another major soccer event to the calendar, and this is a big one. Uh, soccer Champions Tour, new tournament here in America, making a stop at NRG Stadium Wednesday, July 26th, as arguably the two biggest brands in the world, Real Madrid and Manchester United, will take Ooh. on each other here at NRG uh, as part of that event. Really, really exciting to see these two back here in Houston. Both have played at NRG in recent years. Uh, both bring tremendous amount of fandom and excitement anywhere they go, and to have those type of teams here in this beautiful building, one of the great soccer destinations in the world. It's going to be a great night for, for Houston. 
Okay, well, I will be brutally honest and tell you that Man United is now number two in its own city uh, because the club that is about to win its fifth title in six <laughs> years in the Premier League, my, man, my Manchester City team, who got a great win this weekend and got some help uh, from Brighton uh, beating Arsenal. Look at me talking soccer. I it's crazy. It. Uh, but it is to get brands in here of that caliber, Fletch. It speaks so much. I mean, we already talked about World Cup coming here. It speaks so much to soccer in the city of Houston. But give me a little bit more about the Soccer Champions Tour. What's what's happening with this with this tour, and how did Houston get involved in it? Yeah, so, I mean, the Soccer Champions Tour is a, is a new event coming to the U.S. for the next four years, bringing the biggest brands to the most iconic stadiums in the country. Very much uh, part of that lead-up to the FIFA World Cup in 2026. Uh, you've got an opportunity to really continue to build upon uh, the great tradition that many of these clubs have built over the years and playing in the United States uh, as they prepare for their, their regular seasons ahead. Uh, really an opportunity for the fans to see the best and brightest on American soil in the matchups that they want to see. I mean, you're talking about uh, six of the most iconic clubs um, coming together. Uh, Real Madrid, FC Barcelona, Manchester United, Juve, it, uh, AC Milan really is just exciting to see these type of teams here. They're going to consistently be in the U.S. Um, through the uh, Soccer Champions Tour going forward. And I think it's great for the fans. It's great for the sport. And certainly uh, in a market like Houston that is so soccer crazed, um, it's a really exciting opportunity for us to bring people together around the, the world's game. Well, Fletch, I'm asking you a question. Maybe, you, maybe, I don't know, maybe the answer isn't quite there, but I don't recall when NBC signed the Premier League deal. But I'll just put it this way. On Sunday, I sat and watched two matches back-to-back, and neither one of them included uh, – no, one of them was Manchester City. Man, my team, Manchester City, that I love. They beat um, – I can't remember who they beat over the weekend. But then I sat down and I watched Brighton take on – uh, Arsenal, that was a tremendous performance by Brighton. How much is the Premier League's visibility here in the United States amped up the love of soccer from an international standpoint here in the States and maybe in the city of Houston? Have you noticed kind of that over the last, it's probably been, what, 10 to 12 years that they've been on NBC? How much does that kind of amp things up and kind of the visibility of the sport? There's no question. I mean, those teams drive the market. Uh, that NBC deal, which just renewed last year and grew exponentially over the previous deal to give them the chance to, to, to keep those rights for the next six years, really was a catalyst. I mean, you've had a great soccer culture here in the U.S. for, for decades. Houston, one of the premier markets uh, going back to the 60s yeah. uh, when we had um, Real Madrid play uh, West Ham over at the Astrodome. Um, <laughs> you've had major soccer in this community um, dating back uh, for, for many, many years, but uh, certainly coming off the 94 World Cup, um, the MLS being launched, and then just the, the regularity with which you started to see these teams travel over here to the U.S., the biggest teams um, with their star players as they grew in visibility. Um, it really has, has been an overnight success, 30 years in the making. Um, right now you've got an, a huge summer with CONCACAF Gold Cup um, uh, going on um, as the Continental Championship here in the U.S. Um, great matches uh, coming off of last uh, December's um, World Cup. Uh, a lot of big brands like like Canada, Mexico, the United States, are really um, Qatar itself that that really made made uh, deep runs into the World Cup, and and then the excitement around the 2026 FIFA World Cup. 
Um, it, it really all has come together, Johnny, as um, as the sport has grown globally. But it really has been driven by those those major teams, the Premier League teams, La Liga teams, um, and, and Serie A teams, which are a big part of this tournament that we have coming to Houston in July. Yeah, no doubt. Eight fixtures are going to take place in host market stadiums, Dallas, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Orlando, San Francisco, and, of course, right here in Houston. Fletch, to be able to have CONCACAF in June, to be able to have this match in July. Do you want to add more over the over the years, more to the list, or is that kind of what you want to be able to do, have a couple international matches and then have a match of this caliber, or do you want to add more to it as you go through it? Well, the reality is, Johnny, that there will be opportunities there, and, and our group at Lone Star and the Houston Texans are going to continue to be aggressive in this space. Um, there's a lot of great, great soccer being played around the world and, and particularly in the U.S. Um, and right here in Houston, you know, I mean, you're, you're seeing the successes this summer with both the Dash and Dynamo that yep. they're having early on. Um, that brings a lot of energy to, to these major events that we're able to bring over here uh, at NRG. And, and the reality is that, you know, on the horizon already been announced, Copa America is returning to the U.S. next summer. So North and South American hemispheral championship um if you will that's i think <laughs> i just made up that you word to say um you know but that event was was such a massive success yeah. in 2016 when when we got to host three matches here um they're bringing that back next summer uh gold cup will be returning here in 2025 the soccer champions tour will be um part of the landscape uh, leading up through the fifa world cup in 2026 and then just the the sheer volume and the sheer magnitude of hosting uh, a, a FIFA World Cup here in the United States, along with in Canada yeah. and in Mexico in 2026. I, I talk about this all the time. Um, I really do. And, and Chris Kennedy, who, who leads our World Cup efforts here in Houston, is a great friend and a, and a huge champion of the sport. And, and, and he's tried for the last four years to really try and quantify to people how big the World Cup coming to Houston is, but you just cannot even begin to comprehend what that will be like in in four years, three years now. Um, so as we lead up to that, we're going to try and do everything we can to keep the pedal down on bringing these level of events, the elite events to Houston um, as much as we can at both this venue and over at Shell Energy and I think the Houstonians and and the people throughout this region have responded in a big, big way that they want to they want to continue to see that. So we're going to give them what they want. More fervent fan base, Swifties, or the Mexican national team fans? Wow, I tell you, after seeing pretty close, uh, after seeing pretty close, after seeing the the uh, the shows here in, at NRG and and uh, the the uh, the activities over the weekend in Philly as they were filling up 20, 25,000 in the parking lot, singing along to the concert as it was going on through the walls <laughs> of Lincoln Financial. I mean, look, you know, I, I, think, I think the reality is that uh, each is, is going to bring the thunder when given the opportunity, and uh, we're really excited to welcome back the Mexican national team for their 20th um, appearance here at NRG Stadium, more than any other venue in the yeah. country over the last 15 years. They're going to open up against one of their rivals in Honduras, uh, which will make for a fantastic night of soccer, um, following uh, a really great opening match between Qatar and Haiti uh, on, on June 25th. So tickets are available for both of those, uh, for that, I should say, for that doubleheader double match, um, lsse.net or ticketmaster.com. Um, you want to get a hold of both of those both of those matches, the July match with Real Madrid and Manchester United, 
the uh, the match in June with uh, the doubleheader. Um, LSSE.net for all the information. Pre-sale starts tomorrow for that Real Madrid-Manchester United match. Only way to get tickets in the pre-sale, sign up at the wait list, LSSE.net. I had people already banging my phone even before the game was announced. Oh, yeah. About yeah. tickets. Yeah. I'm like, big big Madrid fans, uh, one of them in particular, College Station, who we all know well. Um, but we'll get to that. Speaking of College Station and football, we're not going to talk about the Aggies, but we are going to talk about Sam Houston taking on Air Force week two of the 2023 season. Fletch, this is... It's this is so interesting to me because it's Sam Houston, a, a program that we know extremely well. We've had them in the Battle of the Piney Woods, but they're moving up in level to FBS. And this year they're taking on Air Force. And it's an Air Force team I can't remember being in Houston other than a Blue Bonnet Bowl like three or four decades ago. And it's such a unique matchup. But Sam Houston, Air Force. Coming in here, second week of the 2023 season. First of all, just getting that game. But then the difference of having Sam Houston set against SFA, it's against AFA, Air Force Academy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really exciting to continue the relationship with Sam Houston as they've grown that program, making the leap to Conference USA. Yeah. Uh, Coach Keeler's done just an amazing job. Uh, obviously, you win a national championship. That that speaks for itself. But just what they've been able to do through this transition, the way he's been able to keep that program um, building upon the successes they had, it's great to continue the relationship. We, um, we, we've got the Air Force game here in 2023 on September 9th. And then um, we announced just a couple weeks ago, if, if you happen to miss it, um, that's okay. 2024, we renew another fun rivalry uh, right here in the state of Texas, as Sam Houston will pick back up their 100-plus-year-old rivalry with Texas State oh, in 2024. Nice. So uh, right here at NRG Stadium. So excited to continue the relationship with Sam Houston. Um, really excited for that game, our first college football event of uh, the 2023 season. And um, I got to tell you, that'll be a great one. Anytime you get a service academy, uh, it's it's an absolute pleasure to to um, to be able to host their fans, the veterans. Uh, I had a chance to, to, to catch up with um, Air Force head coach Troy Calhoun out yeah. in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. As you remember, Remember, Johnny, Coach Calhoun yep. was part of this staff uh, sure back in the early days here at the Texans and has a great, great, um, great, great memories of Houston and, and has kept a connection here. And, and one of the things that stood out um, that he said, which which we all know, but but I think just just hearing it is, you know, Houston is the largest veterans market in the country. It's so important for the Air Force Academy to have an opportunity to be here in Houston and the, the the reaction of their fans to be able to see their team here uh, playing against a quality opponent early in the season. You know, he wasn't terribly excited about the fact that he has to go up against Coach Keeler because right. um, we know how tough that is. But just just the idea of being able to to, to be here and to represent the country and, and the Air Force Academy in, in that game is something he was really, really proud of. So I, I think it's uh, I think it's a fantastic matchup. Uh, be a lot of fun, a lot of energy. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale for that one here in a couple weeks. So circle back to lssc.net uh, for your opportunity to get those tickets. But, um, you know, just going to be a lot of fun to start uh, our college football year coming off of our football summer yeah. that we football have. Football summer, summer, football fall, <laughs> football all the time. And, of course, this college football season will end right here at NRG Stadium with the national championship game in January, which I know Fletch and I will talk about at some point. So, yeah, that was going to be a little tougher for me because 
you know, I've kind of become a Sam Houston guy. I've got to know Casey Keeler really well. Good friends. Um, Don Sanders, uh, Sam Houston uh, called, I don't know, dozens of their games. But Air Force was almost my alma mater. How about almost. that? Almost. I ended up going to Brown. So, uh, yeah, they couldn't be on ops, more opposite ends of the spectrum. But that said, that's going to be fun to see. Air Force Academy here taking on Sam Houston in 2024. Texas State and Sam Houston in 2024. That seems like so far off, but it really, it really isn't. So, soccer in June, soccer in July, college football in September. It doesn't get much better, especially when we are all led by this man, David Fletcher. Fletcher, the best, my friend. Appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Johnny. All right, let's go around the NFL. We get back here on a Monday edition of Texans All Access next. Stick around. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris. Let's go around the NFL and start in the media world. How about this? Peacock will air a wildcard playoff game exclusively. The NFL and NBC Universal agreed to put one of this season's playoff games exclusively on Peacock, NBC's streaming service. The wild card playoff game will be in prime time on Saturday, January 13th. The afternoon wild card game that day will air on NBC. So you'll get NBC and Peacock, and they'll also air the wild card game in prime time the next day. NBC will. So, wow. The uh, Mike Floyer reports the NFL's exclusive deal with Peacock marks a shift for the NFL for television to hold. There's never been an NFL playoff game shown exclusively through streaming. Now, for you young folks, that to you, that might sound wow, um, because all you do is stream. For us older folks, this is a little, (laughs) this is wild. I mean, uh, I grew up and I was the channel changer for my dad on the TV because we didn't even have a remote. Now you got games uh, being shown on streaming in the playoffs. Uh, that's pretty pretty crazy. $110 million for the rights to be able to do that. Now, one of the teams Peacock may ultimately be showing in that playoff game, the New York Jets. But will star defensive tackle Quinn Williams be part of that team? Apparently, on his Twitter he changed everything, all his social media. He took any mention of the Jets out. In fact, on his Twitter page, I believe that was his Twitter page, he said, defensive tackle four dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. I mean, these kids and their social media, I mean, the passive-aggressive stuff. Wow. Wow. So we'll see what happens with Quentin Williams. He wants 25 to $30 million a year. <whistles> rich if you can get it. Very rich if you can get it. And good luck to him. I'd rather not see him. I hope he gets it elsewhere. We're not playing him this year. That would be kind of nice uh, to not have to face Quentin Williams, but I think we're going to eventually. And eventually, we got to say goodnight, as in, like, right now. And a big thanks to Mark, uh, to David Fletcher for stopping by, to Chris Santiago back in studio, to all you guys for listening. You guys are the very best. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.